Hello and welcome to the BBC Good Food Podcast with me, Tracy Ray. Feeling drained, exhausted or completely overwhelmed? Is it just stress or could it be burnout? Joining me this week is Rachel Philpotts, nutritionist, author and founder of the Renutrition Functional Clinic. Having experienced burnout in her 30s, she quit the corporate world and retrained in nutrition, functional medicine and mental well-being. Now, spending her time helping overtired and wired career women to combat fatigue and emotional overwhelm naturally. Hi, Rachel. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Tracy. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. So I'm really excited to pick your brain about uh, all things burnout um, because it's such a pertinent topic in this day and age where we're all trying to balance, you know, careers and friends and social media and trying to live our best fit lives and trying to stay (laughs) healthy and the list just seems to go on and on and on. So I thought that to start this podcast, the term burnout is something that we hear a lot about, but I think maybe not everyone actually fully understands what that means. So I'd love to hear from you. What exactly is burnout? What does it mean? Is it just this random term? Does it have a proper definition? What are we talking? Okay, so it can be tricky to define because burnout's not a medically recognised condition. Um, That being said, there are many who have attempted to define it. And I think most of us think about burnout as being synonymous with occupational exhaustion or that kind of end state following a long period of chronic stress. Um, I've seen it described as a pervasive mental health problem in the workforce and I kind of like that description Um, but from a science perspective um, most people use a three-dimensional model which was coined by Christina Maslach a social psychologist in the 70s and that has um, three stages so emotional exhaustion Um, occupational cynicism or depersonalization so think about kind of getting aggravated with your boss or your team or just not feeling like you're part of it anymore and then thirdly a reduced personal achievement so the exhaustion almost um, influences and affects our efficacy but I like I like this description and if you don't mind me reading you something a little um, description from Maslach's contemporary Herbert Freudenberger and he describes burnout as being a feeling of exhaustion, being unable to shake a lingering cold, suffering from frequent headaches and gastrointestinal disturbances, sleeplessness and shortness of breath. And I think that gives us a real sense of the physicality of burnout, Tracy, because many of us just think of it as this kind of psychological thing. It's actually something going on in the body as well as how we're feeling. So it does happen, um, I position it as happening in three stages. Um, the first stage of which I would call our coping stage, where we might feel like wired. It's that stage where we notice the symptoms of stress. We kind of know how that feels, might feel a little bit anxious, a bit a bit nervous tension, but usually that goes away. Yeah, stage two, that's when we're perhaps not coping as well and we might notice other symptoms. So I call it the tired and wired stage because we've got that anxiety of the stress, but we're also starting to feel fatigued and other symptoms. And we're perhaps overproducing our stress hormone at that stage. 
And then finally then stage three is what I call tired, but I guess it's also, yeah, that's an understatement. It's a total exhaustion of burnout, that end state that we said at the beginning when we were talking about defining it. And that's really that kind of point where demand outstrips supply and, you know, we're less able to function effectively as we would have been if we were just dealing with that isolated project. So you mentioned in terms of um, signs and symptoms of burnout, you know, you mentioned stress um, that's quite consistent, then maybe feeling tired, but then also feeling wired as you move into that second stage. And then you kind of mention going into this phase of total and complete exhaustion. Are these the main signs and symptoms that we should be thinking about when we're kind of asking, oh, you know, is this something that I'm struggling with and I need to to seek advice on? Or are there any other um, common symptoms we should be considering? Yeah, I think you definitely hit the nail on the head on the ones that we usually associate with feeling stress and maybe as well things like trouble sleeping or poor concentration could kind of be added to those symptoms. And um, we might also, you know, notice things like, you know, heart palpitation racing heart shortness of breath that kind of thing to many of us they are obvious signs of stress when things are changing in our body but then there are other symptoms that many of us perhaps won't associate with being burnt out and these are um the kind of indirect consequences of persistent activation of that stress response so physical signs and symptoms might be things like frequent infections that's really common in burnout just because when we're stressed we're we're deprioritizing immune function um, we might also notice change in bowel movements or irritable bowel syndrome again because we have reduced digestive function because that's not really a priority if you're facing a bear outside your cave um, <laughs> and then you know as a female change into menstrual cycles again because reproduction not a priority when we're running away from a bear so physically they are there are broader symptoms that kind of add to that picture that you know there's stress a lot of stress going on and then behaviorally as well because I think we often think about physical symptoms but you know if, if we're starting to notice we're disengaging socially or perhaps we're changing um, or eating behaviors or other behaviors as a result of stress that can be an indication as well that we're on that path to burnout. That's so useful, actually, to to discuss, because I do think we associate stress with certain symptoms, you know, like particularly that kind of anxiety yeah. or feeling um, wired and tired and things like that. But I do think that sometimes, you know, as humans, we're, we're quite unique and some of us will have kind of different, will react to stress a little bit differently. Um, so I always think it's important to know how stress affects you. Like I know for me, whenever I'm feeling really, really stressed, the first thing to go is like my back. I can feel like that pain yeah. and that tension in my back and that's kind of telling me, okay, I'm feeling quite stressed. Yeah. But for a lot of people, you know, some of the symptoms you mentioned, like, you you know, gut issues, so certain like IBS type symptoms or, um, you know, even skin issues, you know, like you're breaking out or maybe your urticaria is flaring or things like that can be a sign of stress. So it's really interesting to hear, you know, yes, associate with the with the common signs of stress, but maybe you're not associating with those, but you're experiencing some of these other things. And that might be a little kind of trigger to kind of think, okay, 
maybe, you know, I have been bloating a lot and nothing's changed in my diet and, you know, nothing's changed in the how I'm preparing my foods. Hmm, I wonder what could be going on there. So that's really interesting to hear as well. Yeah. So just before we move on to some of our burnout myths, um, when it comes to burnout, so if I'm if I'm listening to this podcast and everything that you said, I'm like, tick, 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 tick. <laughs> I 1000% think I have burnout. What's the next step? Do I go and talk to my GP? Um, do I speak to a therapist? Do I speak to my work? Where am I going for, for further help? Yeah, I, th- I think it's really personal to the individual. Um, definitely some of the symptoms we've mentioned there are kind of real red flags. So if you are experiencing things like shortness of breath, changes to heart rhythm or headaches or things like that, then they're definitely symptoms that shouldn't be ignored and we should be absolutely reaching out to our GP. Um, I would think, again, with some, with any kind of mental health issue, there's no real wrong time to seek help if you aren't coping. So you don't have to have that full list of symptoms that we've just kind of gone through before, you know, you qualify. Um, and I definitely think that some kind of talking therapy or reaching out to somebody might be helpful um, in that stage. The reality is, though, that many of us don't seek help, do we, when we're kind of stressed? We we just, some of us, uh, and this was definitely me, so I'm definitely going to feel like I'm confessing, but like, I felt like being busy was like, definitely like a badge of honour. And we compare ourselves as well with other people. So I'm not as bad as her. So I won't ask for help because I'm not quite as bad as that that lady, you know, in marketing. <laughs> um, or we perceive like asking uh, help as like some kind of failure. So it is very individual. But I, and I definitely think the sooner that we can get help, um, the better, because, you know, these these symptoms are signals from the brain to get us to change our behavior. So some form of help or even just educating yourself on what burnout is and what steps you can take yourself um, could be helpful. So like with many health issues, um, burnout is something that we often hear a lot of myths and uh, comments and recommendations on. So I'd love to run through some of the common things that we hear and get your take. Does that work with you? Yes, great. Awesome. (laughs) So to start, burnout is all in the mind. What do you think? Um, well, I think in in the sense that burnout is imagined or not real, then I definitely think that is a myth. <laughs> but it does originate in the brain. So that is true. So if we say burnout is all in the brain, then that could be thought of as true because the brain is definitely ruling the show when it comes to stress. The brain will determine what is stressful. It will regulate our response to that stress and so that we can cope. Um, and it will also rewire itself um, learning so that we, from the experience. So it's not imagined, but it definitely does originate in the brain. I guess it can definitely feel like it's all in the mind yeah. sometimes when you're in the middle of it as well. Yeah. But as you mentioned previously, you know, the the trigger and the the kind of biological process might start there, but actually it can quite quickly trickle Cascade, down and yeah. start affecting all parts of your body. So diet and lifestyle have no role in burnout. I'm guessing as a nutritionist, you're going to have something to say about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely think that's false. So that, yeah, and I'll, I'll give you my opinion. <laughs> but I def- um, so diet and lifestyle stresses just adds to the overall load. So if you're already feeling stressed at work and then you're piling it 
um, into the body from a from a diet perspective when you're undertaking activities that add to the load then yes that can definitely be unhelpful your brain isn't going to distinguish between your deadlines your irate boss and that pressure any more than it distinguishes between alcohol takeaways or excessive exercise so to the brain it's all the same and it all adds to the load absolutely definitely and i think as well you know i as it pertains to you know anything really but particularly something that's stress driven like like burnout you absolutely can't dismiss the environmental aspect because that's such a major driver you know if you're staying in a very like stressful workplace or you're pushing through that stressful project or um, you're dealing with a stressful person and on on an ongoing basis I think it doesn't matter what you do um, you're going to continually be getting that that stress coming through so it's going to be quite challenging um but then i also think on the flip side there's also a massive impact on the on your body and particularly the the kind of stress circuitry of how you your diet and your lifestyle is as well so we know for example that things like talk therapy can really help you work through and and mitigate some of the thoughts and things like that that can exacerbate stress but equally we know that if you know if cortisol is being overstimulated so cortisol being your stress hormone if that's being overstimulated on a constant basis then all of a sudden your body has an increased requirement for nutrients like vitamin C and magnesium and certain B vitamins and if you're not replacing those through you know, diet, you're just going to go straight into a deficit as well. Yeah. So I always think of those things on on both sides of the spectrum that, you know, you can't discount the environment, but also we have to understand that when we're going through significant stress, that our body is requiring more of us as well. Yeah. So if we're not kind of plugging that, then we might find ourselves in a worse situation. Yeah. Is that fair? Absolutely. I think it can accelerate the road to burnout because those nutrients that you mentioned that keep us resilient to stress. And like you said, we have a higher need for those nutrients. But ironically, we're probably less likely to be consuming those nutrients when we're stressed because our stress hormone might be driving us um, towards the quick fix because I, I always say that cortisol is a bit of a demanding diva when it has a hormone and it definitely wants what it wants. Right now and it doesn't often want um, a nutrient-dense smoothie full of vitamin c fruits and veg does it (laughs) definitely not definitely not and so in the case of that situation then you know if there is someone that is experiencing all of this stress and maybe they're not in the place that they want to start changing their diet which is totally fair because it's not it's not a simple thing to do sometimes it can cause even more stress to ask someone uh, to to change their diet and lifestyle are there certain kind of simple steps that you could take like for example you know taking some some nutrients in the form of a supplement or, you know, maybe doing some kind of breathing or kind of gentle exercise type things to to support you on that side? Or do you have to change your diet? 
I would say, like you, I think it's a case of ready, a question of readiness and where you are on that burnout spectrum. So, if the further along you are, the perhaps less likely it is that you're going to be ready to make dietary changes. Um, so, if that is you, then I would definitely start simple and start with something like breath work and just focus on calming the nervous system focus on supporting sleep so that you start to feel well rested and then you'll have the motivation to make changes um in the short term as well then yes certainly you know some vitamin c supplements and magnesium supplements might be helpful because you you have got a higher need um at that time but you can also focus on making some simple changes that don't feel overwhelming and that could just be a case of you know um i'm going to drink uh, one extra glass of water today or i'm going to sign up to one of these kind of meal deli- delivery type programs to know that you're going to get some nutrients in that's actually not that difficult or overwhelming to achieve so it's about using our kind of convenient culture to your advantage if that makes sense absolutely yeah or perhaps even you know with this burger and chips that's, that I'm going to prepare I I'm will also eat an apple yes. while I wait <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it doesn't it doesn't always have to be about kind one of or like the a other. complete yeah. overhaul yeah yeah and I think that's a really important point particularly talking about something like burnout where you know it really can be all-consuming and feel quite overwhelming and and feeling tired is such a significant part of it that you know, when we when you are talking about some sort of uh, intervention or support or tools that can help, that you know, it doesn't have to be massive things. It doesn't have to be massive changes. It can be small little steps like, you know, trying to have an extra glass of water on your yeah. desk or taking some time out to do some breathing um, can be very effective as well. So that's really good to hear. So another thing that often comes up is this idea that burnout is a sign of weakness. What would you think? Um, I don't think it is a sign of weakness. I think it's a sign that you've perhaps tried to cope for too long and ignored the warning signs. And I resonate with this because I thought if I stopped and focused on myself, then this would be failure. And, you know, why do we do this to ourselves? And when I look back now, I feel quite sad about this because, yeah, I don't think it is a sign of weakness. I I just think it's our culture and that way that we are kind of um conditioned to think um that if we stop then that's somehow bad absolutely totally agree definitely not a weakness but also can can feel like one sometime so another thing you just need to rest that's all that can be done for burnout so once you rest then it'll be it'll be done yeah so i think that rest is definitely a big part of burnout and it can help us to increase our resilience. I, I I think most of us can relate with, you know, getting a good night's sleep and how we feel the next day as a result with how well we slept or not. But that's kind of taken, you know, over a, you know, a grander scale. And I think the active relaxation, so we've already just mentioned there, some breath work, um, you know, or meditation or, or yoga or whatever is our thing that can also help to offset some chronic stress but I do think that's only kind of one part of this whole person approach to burnout so yes absolutely rest and restore and actively relax but then I would also encourage that you know nourishing the body and 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 brain is also helpful 
because you need to replenish those nutrients that were depleted that we talked about. I also think it's helpful to kind of engage or re-engage, especially if you've distanced yourself from friends and family as a result of this kind of burnout tunnel that you've gone down. I think it's important to re-engage in things that you enjoy doing so it life isn't just about work and um, perhaps some gentle exercise. And then finally then reframing those negative thoughts and limiting beliefs that we have about ourselves so if we feel that burnout is a sign of weakness why and can we tell ourselves something that's more positive and helpful so you do need to rest but I think it's only one element of what can be done for burnout I think that's interesting what you mentioned about active relaxation um, because I think when I hear the word rest I think right this is a great excuse for a duvet day. Just get into bed, watch some movies, um, sleep it off yeah. for a whole weekend. But really what you're talking here, you know, is about active relaxation and restoration. Yeah. So, you know, it probably isn't going to be enough just to get, you know, some extra hours of sleep. But really, you need to be engaging in those relaxation activities. So we're almost coming to the end, um, but I just wanted to run one more myth past you. So if you're feeling burnt out, just lean on caffeine and sugar to get you through. So you did mention that like not everyone in this situation is going to be able to change their diet immediately or change their lifestyle immediately or maybe seek professional help. If I'm actively going through burnout and I'm feeling exhausted, but I have a lot of deadlines, can I lean on caffeine and sugar to kind of boost my energy and get me through for a while? Or is that a bad idea? Yeah, probably not. I, I kind of think caffeine and sugar, I think, are two stimulants that are that are probably very much going to accelerate burnout as opposed to be helpful. So starting with sugar, um, I say sugar is my top mood disruptor or my top kind of burnout accelerator. So you're definitely potentially going to get an instant energy fix, which your cortisol is going to love you for in the short term. But then you're potentially going to get that crash or that boom or bust that you get from being on that sugar roller coaster. And that's just more stress on the body so you're just adding to the load rather than actually helping yourself caffeine is an interesting one the research on caffeine itself as a kind of isolated chemical definitely suggests that that's stimulatory and a stressor so energy drinks or perhaps like tablet forms of caffeine might not be helpful coffee is a bit of a dividing thought I guess if you're someone who's having coffee all through the day and they're not sleeping then coffee potentially is also not helpful but it doesn't mean you have to give up coffee I, you know you if you if you can tolerate coffee and you're not sensitive to it then one or two cups a day um you know there are health benefits from coffee as well so it doesn't have to be you have to cut it out completely you could potentially swap that for something like green tea where you're still going to get a bit of caffeine but that's going to be balanced by and this nice anti-stress compound found in tea called L-theanine. So you don't have to cut caffeine out entirely. It's just about being more conscious of how you include it. That's really interesting, actually. And it kind of it feels a little bit more attainable to maybe not have to cut things out completely. So you've mentioned some alternatives for caffeine there. Um, I'll throw another one in. I must say I'm a big fan of pu'er tea. It's yes, a lovely. fermented yeah. uh, black tea, yeah. particularly because it also kind of supports your digestion. Yes. And I definitely find if I'm really stressed and I've eaten some food, yeah. <laughs> I need a little bit of support <laughs> with that digestion. But in terms of of um, 
kind of sugar and that kind of craving because definitely when you haven't slept or you're feeling really stressed and exhausted, you're just like, I need that instant energy fix. What is something that maybe we could grab or go for that might still give us a little bit of an energy boost, but not kind of push that that cortisol over the edge? Yeah, I think it's ba- just about balancing these things. So something quite sweet is like a date, for example, that definitely tastes quite sweet and kind of hits that kind of sugar fix. But if you include some kind of um, almond butter or something that's um, rich in protein or healthy fats it kind of helps to slow the absorption of the sugar in that snack so it's about it's not necessarily about cutting the sugar out or the carbohydrates out it's just about balancing them and finding you know if it, if it's a snack or a meal finding something that works because I think it's going to keep you fuller for longer and just keep the, your energy levels stable throughout the day rather than having that boom or bust effect So yeah, definitely thinking about where's my protein coming from. If I want the kind of sugary fix, then can I also have something else? So for example, dark chocolate, if you're a chocolate um, fiend and you just don't want to give it up, then have a small handful of nuts at the same time. So it's just kind of combining things together. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually, in terms of you don't necessarily need to eliminate the sweetness, but maybe just think about it or approach it a little bit differently. Because I've definitely been on a journey in my life going from, you know, eating those simple kind of sugars on their own. So getting that real strong sugar hit from maybe like a syrupy drink or um, a gummy or kind of something that's real pure sweetness versus having something that has a lot of pure sweetness so even still the sugary drink or as you say something maybe a little bit more um, nourishing like a date that kind of has some added nutrients in it but combining that with something like a fat or a protein to kind of slow it down it really does have a completely different uh, journey in the body and a completely different effect and feeling Um, and also I mean we know that protein and fat is so important for any sort of hormonal imbalance. And even though we're talking about stress, which isn't always thought of as a hormone, cortisol is a hormone. So um, I think we do need to be kind of thinking about it that way. And when we are very stressed, we often aren't eating maybe consistently or eating in a balanced way. So, you know, grabbing for those sweet snacks and just kind of thinking, okay, maybe I'll grab um, some nuts with that as well. Or, you know, classic slice of apple with nut butter or something is delicious. (laughs) You're actually, you know, really doing a lot to kind of support that energy fix, but also kind of how your overall body will be will be working and, and managing and coping with that stress as well. So that's a great point. Right. So we have time for one last uh, myth to be busted. (laughs) Um, So I think this is an interesting one. So you can only experience burnout once. Once you get over it, it won't come back. So if I experience burnout, I do everything that you've said. I seek professional help and I feel amazing. Am I done? Am I cured for life? <laughs> I don't I don't think um, burnout is necessarily a one and done deal. I think if you're particularly uh, vulnerable, then, you know, in the right 
environment and the right conditions and it may come back. I think it's, and I'm speaking again from personal experience as well. So having been at that kind of end stage of burnout, I definitely feel like it's more of an ongoing journey. And the more that you learn about yourself and the more you recognize the signs and symptoms, the more that you can kind of stop yourself from heading towards that kind of end state. But we're always going to be fluctuating between stage one, stage two and stage three, depending on what's going on in our lives, because stress is part and parcel of life. Uh, We're not going to be able to avoid stress unless we go and, you know, live in some kind of cave somewhere (laughs) and meditate for life. (laughs) So I think it's something you've always got to be aware of and make sure that you're not heading back down that path and make the small adjustments, you know, re rethink about those things that help you um, to manage stress. It depends a little bit, I guess, you know, on how well you utilize some of these tools yeah. in in the long run, yeah. right? So um, if you find certain things that help, be it, you know, talk therapy or um, diet and lifestyle changes, medications, supplements, any any of these different tools, if you find something that's quite supportive and you're diligent and, and conscious to implement these things when needed, then probably you will do a lot better when you come up against uh, times of high stress going forward. But if you maybe go through a period of burnout and, you know, you kind of scramble yourself back to health and then still put yourself back in the circumstances of of high stress without creating your own tool book, then probably you could wind up in that situation again. So, yeah, Yeah. for sure, I guess kind of balance. Yeah, definitely. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be here. I've really enjoyed our conversation on burnout and I know it's going to be um, of interest to a lot of our listeners. So thank you for that. For anyone that would like to find out more information about Rachel Philpotts, you can find all the links on our podcast page on bbcgoodfood.com forward slash podcast. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the BBC Good Food Podcast. Join us on Thursday for our bonus cook-along recipe. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode.